Hi, Kelly here. Lynn is still making her way back from the co-housing conference, but I thought I would share with you some of the audio clips she was able to obtain while she was there. According to everybody I've spoken with, it was a wonderful weekend with lots of connection, seeing people in person for the first time in a long time in the co-housing world, and also bringing together new ideas and new interest in this different way of living. So with that, I'm going to turn it over virtually to Katie McCammett, our co-housing consultant, Brian Bowen, our uh, co-housing architect, and, and Lynn, who greeted them at the conference. Well, good morning. Okay, it's breakfast. It's day four. Uh, surprising amount of energy given how much energy was expended in the same room here last night. Anyway, I ran into bre at breakfast, I ran into Katie McCammett, who is our co-housing consultant, and Brian Bowen, who is, is one of our architects. And I was just asking them, how's the conference been for you? So they're going to take it away. Well, it's always really fun to see people in person. And since we haven't had a conference since 2019, an in-person conference, you know, for me, it's kind of like a big extended family. So I get to reconnect with old clients, meet C clients I'm working with today, and all the professionals that I work with. So it's really fun. Yeah, it's a group of people where we feel like um, all together, the world is possible. It's possible for us to actually make some things happen. And it's great to be amongst people who are all pushing the same boulder of the same mountain in their own communities and um, over the years we developed such strong relationships and such strong collaborations um, and it's wonderful to see like you know potential future clients current clients Lynn and also past clients who've like really become like co-housing zealots in their own right and stick around over the years. One of the fun things about getting a group of people together is that you get to hear all of their stories about how they first came to this this thing this different way of being and um, I wanted to share with you Marty McCaskill from Fair Oaks Co-Housing because I think the series of questions that she went through as she first began exploring co-housing a while ago really typifies uh, the things that people go through when they start to think about, hmm, what would this look like or how do people live like this? So with that, Marty McCaskill. I discovered co-housing in 2003 because I have a buddy in the Sacramento Vegetarian Society and we were going somewhere for some farm sanctuary or some such, somewhere and stuff. And, and I thought, uh-oh, I better use this bathroom. And being naturally curious, nosy, whatever you call it, I thought, okay, I'll look at his kitchen window, see what his backyard looks like, see what his fence looks like, see what his landscaping looks like. So I look out his kitchen window, and what do I see? I see all these homes facing each other in a courtyard. I don't see a backyard or a fence, and basically he has another porch in the back. And then one of the homes was much bigger. So I got in the car, and luckily neither of us were driving. And for two hours, I literally peppered him with questions. The first one, of course, was, so where do you live? What is this? He said, it's co-housing. And I said, it's co-what? And he said, well, it's a balance of privacy and community. And it's a great way to live. And I said, well, so what's the one that's so much bigger? He says, oh, that's the common house. And I said, the what? And he said, well, that's our social club. That is the center of the community. 
<laughs> so curiosity, curiosity is definitely the first thing that gets people interested in co-housing, whether it's looking out a window from a friend's house or coming across the country to find out what co-housing is all about. The next person Lynn spoke with is named Bo, and Bo is from Tennessee, and he is looking into co-housing for um, his family. It would be new to his area, and uh, he would have a, a pretty big pretty big job ahead of him. But he was willing to talk a little bit about what his thoughts were and the things that really resonated with him. So I, I have been struck by how much um, work goes into putting a community like this together. Um, that's something that my wife and I are uh, strongly thinking about. You know, is this something that we can take on at the stage of life with three kids? And of course, as we're thinking about that, there's also the question of what is the what is the the benefit? What is the payoff? What is, what are the wonderful things that we hope to see in our lives by investing in this? Um, and it has been exciting to see bits and pieces of each community, um, to see uh, some of the, the residents interacting together and see some of the camaraderie that they have, to see kids playing. Um, I would love to have seen more of that. I know on a, on a school day, we didn't really get to see the, the full experience there. Um, one thing that did stick with me is at the village, uh, I believe that was the name of the, the community, um, they were talking about the founders who have passed at this point, um, but there's a, a legacy there that um, that has has continued even after the, the founding members of that community, which is over 20 years old. So all of those things are floating in my head. I, mean, I can see so many wonderful things here, and there'll definitely be a lot to uh, unpack. One of the things that I think going to a conference really highlights is that you need to work with other people in order to make something like co-housing come together. So I was really interested to hear Lynn speak with a woman named Christine who was also new. Um, this was her first co-housing uh, co conference and she's from Chicago. And um, she was talking about how she plans to go about this, why she's excited and, and how she plans to go about it. So with that, Christine. I feel this is going to sound like a wild overstatement, but I feel like almost a new person <laughs> in the sense that I feel like I even just in these two days have gone from someone who's kind of idealistically talking about this kind of fantasy concept to a sense of confidence and examples that I can maybe actually make this happen. And also, I'm just really blown away with, unsurprisingly, the friendliness of everyone here. There's just truly that sense of everyone wants to grow this movement. And so the ability to ask questions of these amazing thought leaders, uh, I have so many ideas and feedback, and now I feel like connections to continue to draw upon and actually hopefully move forward in, in a concrete way in, in building a new co-housing community in Chicago. Awesome. You know, I have one question I like to ask people as they leave a workshop is what is the one thing that you're going to do Monday when you wake up and it's all over and you're like, what's on your task list for all this? So I think probably I'm the kind of person that if you're supposed to do something like collaboratively, um, I'm like, no, I'm just going to do it all myself. But, but I 
through conversation, I think that the first step is to start putting feelers out to just build more of an affinity group. So I actually am going to reach out to someone I met here who said she knows someone in Chicago that is kind of already really interested in this and sounds like she's maybe a couple steps ahead of me. So that's what I'm going to do first. Fantastic. While she was at the conference, Lynn also was able to hear from some people who've been in causing a long time and have some interesting insights into how communities stay together and then how people change within communities. Is it a, is it a quick, quick thing or is it a burning torch over time? So the first person who she spoke with was Lou, who is uh, from Portland. He lives in PDX Commons. And then the second one is Neil Planchin, and he is in the San Francisco Bay Area. So with that, Lou talking about the contracts that we have with one another, and then Neil talking about the flame of co-housing. Co-housing, one model to think of co-housing is there's two parallel contracts going on, both when you're forming your community and particularly when you're doing resales. And one is there is a a legal real estate transaction going on. You're buying a condo or you're buying a co-op unit, whatever. And there, usually in the formation stage, there's a lot of talk about the values of the community and what we're expecting, et cetera. So that tends to put that together. Then there's also a community social contract. And that's all the co-housing piece. That's, that's, the, that's the secret sauce. That's the participation. That's the governance. That's the consensus decision-making. That's the, what makes co-housing different from just a real estate transaction. So when people talk about resales, I find many communities get confused and they feel, well, we, we can't participate in, in the resale because that's a legal agreement between the buyer and the seller. And I say, no, the community at the same time is negotiating this social contract with the buyer. So the community has a legitimate role to make sure that any new buyer understands the social contract and adheres to the social contract. So one way to think about it is your buyer is getting pre-qualified maybe for a mortgage between the buyer and the seller, but they're also getting pre-qualified for the social contract between the community and the buyer. And how do you do that? You do that through orientations, tours, inviting them to come to meals, go to meetings. You want any buyer, potential buyer, that's all it's before the sale takes place. You want to make sure that they understand co-housing and ideally you're excited about co-housing. So I think the best way is for a community to have some kind of hook for the community to have a hook in the real estate transaction to make sure that that community contract can be negotiated. In our community, we have a a 60-day right of first offer, and that's written in the deed. And that means that the seller can't sell it for the first 60 days. They give us, the community, a chance to feed them people from our wait list or to give existing members the opportunity to change units. All that takes place before the larger market comes on. Then if, once the, if it doesn't sell then, then when we open up the larger market, we require that before any potential buyer can make an offer to the seller, they have to go through this orientation and, again, this meeting the community so that they know what they're getting into. It's a legitimate uh, – it, it literally is legal because your HOA bylaws say that if you buy a unit, you are agree to adhere to the rules and regulations of that HOA. Well, in my community, those rules and regulations include participation, consensus, meals, all of that secret sauce, but the buyer may not be as aware of what they're getting into. So it's the community's responsibility to inform the buyer and get them excited and make sure that they want to be in co-housing. 
that's, I think, a helpful way to think about it. You have rights in the resale procedure and the resale process and make sure you exercise them so you don't get people in that have no idea what they're doing. Hello, Lynn. Uh, so I'm going to start off by reading the quote and then I'll speak about why I chose it. Uh, and it's just part of a longer quote that George Bernard Shaw wrote some years back. Uh, it goes like this. Life is no brief candle to me. It is a sort of splendid torch which I have got hold of for the moment, and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. So that's the part that I read uh, at lunchtime. And um, yeah, I chose it because I'm coming, coming into my 25th year of using the word co-housing and helping grow and nurture this movement. And I feel like I'm starting a slightly new um, new chapter uh, where, um, you know, I'm trying to reinvent myself a little bit in terms of what more can I be doing to kind of support the newer generation. And so it just seemed to me um, that this kind of illustrated some sort of urgency. You know, life is no brief candle to me. Um, but also just um, kind of highlight um, kind of how, how I wanted to use my time more, with more intention and more directness. One of the last bits I'd like to leave you with is a question that Lynn had and was able to have answered by Danny, who works for UDP, the Urban Development Partners. They're a co-housing development group um, who've developed a bunch of different co-housing communities. And she was able to ask about the timeline for co-housing development versus non-co-housing development. You know, I see stuff going up all the time. It just seems like all of a sudden it's being framed up and poof, it's built. Why is this taking me so long? Well, I think part of it is that when you see other buildings going up, you don't necessarily th see things like this conference of where the seeds of those buildings started from and what the process was to actually get a project moving. So if we as developers are developing co-housing, then we're looking at, say, four years from the time that we get involved with the group. Maybe they've just gotten a site and that's to the end. If we as developers are putting together an apartment complex, we're looking at the site and then we're getting our approvals from the city and we're doing our drawings and we're getting our other permits and we're looking at about four years until the building goes up. So there's a very similar timeline um, where co-housing starts to take a long time is if things get drug out uh, at the beginning, say, because the group doesn't find a site or... Um, or can't or they've got everything all ready to go but they don't have enough members to move into construction and that's when you start to see you know 8 10 13 years some of those stories that you hear at these conferences so that that's so helpful because i think a lot of us have just have this view of the very end game from a consumer perspective and we don't appreciate the fact that we've stepped into this pool as developers and that's a whole world that we never know anything about so really appreciate those insights danny and uh look forward to seeing you again at a future conference absolutely i look forward to visiting you in your community yes i can't wait that's a wrap on our audio snippets from the conference we hope you enjoyed listening in today and look forward to bringing you more insights and tidbits that were gleaned this time together. Thanks. Thank you all so much. I'm going to ask you before you get up from your chairs to just turn to a neighbor, share a moment of growth or gratitude with them, and then have safe travels back to your community.